The other week, our family headed to the baker's table. Uh, it's a great little bakery off of Route 23 in near McCaskey High School. You got to try their cream puffs. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. Anyway, inside the, the baker's table, there are these windows uh, where you can watch them decorate these beautiful cakes. Um, and, and I'm sure that around Christmas time, they did some amazing cakes. But let's say that you pre-order a cake and you decide to enjoy some of it with, your, uh, with a friend at the baker's table. And through the windows inside, you see your cake being finished up. And so you sit down with your friend at the table and uh, they bring out the cake with a knife and uh, two, two plates, two forks, two napkins, and they set the cake down in front of you on a pedestal, and it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, looks absolutely delicious, and then they add the final touch. They dump a jar of pickles all over your cake, juice and all, and it's bon appetit, right? Now, I would guess that many of you would not be excited about that. And, and you'd probably feel like the pickles were an unnecessary addition to a perfectly good cake. In fact, I think that we'd all agree, even if you really like pickles, that the pickles would ruin the cake. Ruin the cake. Consider now being counted righteous by God. To say that we are justified because we believe and do good works is like pouring pickles all over a perfectly good cake. You ruin justification when you add law-keeping to faith for justification. It's best to eat the cake by itself. Good works are not a tasty garnish that go on the cake. Good works are actually the mmm after you're finished eating the cake. They, they are the inevitable good response after eating the cake. Eat the cake of justification by faith alone, and it will satisfy and delight the palate of your souls. Bon appetit. Did you know that it works the same way with the Holy Spirit? We didn't receive the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit by keeping God's law or being a good person. We didn't somehow prove to God that we are good and that we are worthy to have His Holy Spirit living in us. God simply gave us the Holy Spirit as a gift of His grace through faith. Saints, you have received the Holy Spirit. You are so blessed. Paul didn't write Galatians to Jerusalem church. You know, we're a different church at a different time. And I hope that Paul would not have written to us, oh foolish people of Jerusalem church, who has bewitched you. I hope that's not what he would have written for us but I assure you that Paul's message is for Jerusalem church. We need it. We, we may not be turning to a different gospel per se, and that's good. We should stay on a gospel trajectory, but we're tempted to add things to the gospel. And maybe Galatians can uncover ways that even we have polluted the gospel. We need the message of justification by faith alone as much as anyone else. We need to be clearer about the law, clearer about the gospel, so that we can grow in holiness and happiness and serve God more faithfully. Now, please don't interpret Paul's intense tone in Galatians, and it's intense, uh, as me, your pastor, thinking automatically that you're all foolish and chasing a, a different gospel a false gospel. That's not the case. 
Though I will say honestly from my pastor's heart that I am concerned that some of you are very confused about the law and the gospel. But we all need to better understand the law and the gospel. So here's the big point for today. This is the wonderful truth that's for you, saints. We received the Spirit from God by hearing the gospel with faith at conversion. And God continues to supply us the Spirit for everyday life as we hear the gospel with faith. So let's dig into that. Number one, the first part of the point. We receive the Spirit from God by hearing the gospel with faith at conversion. So let me, let me summarize this point for you all. You were dead in sin, and then you heard the gospel preached. As Ezekiel 36 describes, saints, God transformed you by putting a new heart inside of you. He put the Spirit inside of you. You were born again and you received the gift of faith from God so that through hearing the gospel with faith, you received the righteousness of Christ and were justified under the law. Your guilt was completely removed. God poured His Holy Spirit into you to enable you to live to Him. You were like Lydia in Acts 16. The Lord opened your heart to truly hear the gospel and by grace receive the Holy Spirit by hearing with faith. You didn't work for the Spirit. You didn't merit the Spirit. You were given the Spirit by hearing with faith. You were deaf to the gospel, could not hear, could not care, didn't give a rip, and God opened your ears to actually hear and to see the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1 again. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Paul was upset. He was upset at how senseless the Galatian churches were in their turning to a completely different gospel. English Bible scholar J.B. Phillips paraphrased Paul to say this, Oh, you dear idiots of Galatia, surely you can't be so idiotic. They had heard the true gospel from Paul, even saw apostolic miracles of power worked, which confirmed the true gospel. But like fools, they were turning from, from that gospel to a false gospel of works righteousness. Dr. Philip Ryken said this, quote, One of the devil's favorite stratagems is to distort the truth so that people can no longer tell the difference between the one true gospel and all the false alternatives, end of quote. Satan wants to distract local churches from the true gospel, so he tries to confuse them with false gospels. Competing gospels, slightly different and adjusted gospels. Bewitched. Do you know what bewitched means besides the 1960s sitcom? Do you know what it means to be bewitched? Paul was telling them essentially this, Galatians, it's as if someone put you under a spell of black magic and you can't think straight. Now think of the Pied Piper. The mayor of Hamelin hired the Pied Piper to rid the town of rats, with which the Pied Piper did. And when the mayor refused to pay, the Pied Piper took revenge by the sweet melody of his enchanting pipe. He lured all the children in the town away, never to be seen again. That's terrifying. Why do we listen to stories like that? That's terrible. The church in Galatia was being led away from God by the enchanting tune of a false gospel. 
Paul didn't actually believe that the Galatian Christians were under a spell of black magic. That's not what his point was. But he used this kind of language to make the point, you guys are deceived. Snap out of it. You know the true gospel. The Galatians knew better. Paul added this. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now that's a very important sentence. Through Paul's preaching, gospel preaching, it was as if the Galatians had actually seen Christ crucified. Preaching was that persuasive and vivid for them. Paul used a Greek word that was commonly used to describe posting property on this public bulletin board so people could see what was for sale. So to portray is to vividly depict an image through words. And Paul publicly portrayed Christ crucified for the Galatians through preaching. Now a while ago I read uh, my kids, Andrew Peterson's Wing Feather Saga series. We came to the fourth and the last book, and I was so captivated by this story. It's a really, really good story, and I was so captivated. At the end, came to the end of the saga, where the story climaxes, and he just pulls the stuff together. And as I'm reading, my voice is starting to quiver, and I start to cry. I break down. My kids are sitting there. They're just looking on, like, what? And I'm... I had to pause. I, I couldn't go on. And um, the words were, they were so vivid. And the plot paralleled the gospel. That's why I was crying, because it was such the gospel parallel. It was so strong and so beautiful that it was almost as if I was there. I was so moved by the words of the story. And I loved how, how Peterson's masterful words could paint such a vivid picture for me and move me like that. The Galatians hadn't seen Christ crucified, but they saw the vivid scene through gospel preaching, through spoken words. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.23, but we preach Christ crucified. Preaching is how people see Christ, how they are moved by the gospel, how they are transformed when, when the Spirit of God opens people's hearts to actually hear the gospel with faith. They see in words Christ in all of his glory. John Calvin said this, quote, To show how energetic his preaching was, Paul first compares it to a picture which exhibited to them in a lively manner the image of Christ. End of quote. The image of Christ is painted for people through preaching, gospel preaching, through words, not oils, not acrylics, not glass. A bit later, Calvin added this, when the church has painters such as these, she no longer needs the dead images of wood and stone. She no longer requires pictures, end of quote. The Spirit brings the gospel to life through preaching. Preaching. Now I know this is very sensitive for some of you, and I know that we have varying opinions here on our stained glass, which is behind us, and you have varying opinions on using images of Jesus in our corporate worship. Whatever you think about that topic, whichever side you land on or maybe in the middle, perhaps verse 1 can help you better understand why many Christians through the ages do not like images of Christ used in worship. Where do people see Christ crucified publicly portrayed? 
The Bible is clear, not in a painting, not in stained glass, not in a movie, preaching, preaching. Public gospel preaching is the God-ordained means to reveal Christ crucified for unbelievers who have yet to see and for believers who have already seen. Do you see that in verse 1? Paul was clear in Romans 10, 27, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We want to reach lost souls in India. That's one of the things that our church is behind. And there's a reason that we send Keith and not Rembrandt. The gospel must be explained in words so people can see the crucified Christ and be transformed by the Spirit. We all love a good story. Right? You, you ever have the, the, the uncle or the guy that you get together that just grabs you with his stories? We love a good story. And so let us tell the gospel story with passion and, and trust that the Spirit will move through the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ and create the vivid beauty. The Galatians heard the gospel preached and it created in them a vivid portrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ crucified on a Roman cross and resurrected by the power of God. So Paul had to ask, verse 2, let me ask you only this, or more literally, I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The answer was obvious, hearing with faith, not by works of the law. What has he been saying in Galatians up until this point? Now, there are two kinds of hearing, natural and supernatural. There are two kinds of ears on the side of your head and in your heart. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's weird. What's he talking about? He was talking about supernatural hearing in the heart. Lots of people hear the gospel, but never hear the gospel. Do you understand? When God opens a sinner's heart and they receive the Spirit, they hear the gospel with faith and see the beauty and supremacy of the crucified and risen Christ. Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. Amazing. Jesus also opens the eyes of the blind. Through preaching, through gospel preaching, so that they can see the glory of Christ. Sinners don't, don't receive the righteousness of Christ or the Spirit by works of the law, by being good-hearted, by doing some good deeds for another person. No, no. Sinners receive the righteousness of Christ and the Spirit as gifts from God by hearing with faith. Not just physically hearing, but supernaturally hearing with faith. Now, please don't lose sight of, of why Paul is so emphatic about these things. Teachers from the circumcision party came to the churches of Galatia and they taught that Christians needed to be circumcised, they needed to obey the Mosaic law in order to be justified and saved. This was wreaking havoc in the church. That was a false gospel. And the Galatians were turning to that false gospel. But to add works of the law to faith for justification is to abandon Christ. 
Paul told the Galatians in chapter 5, listen closely, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, now what did he mean by that? He meant accept circumcision as a means of justification. Christ will be of no advantage to you. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Get what he says now. But only faith working through love. Faith working through love. Paul was pounding his point like he was hammering a nail deeper and deeper and deeper into the wood so it would hold strong. And then he grabbed a nail set and he kept pounding to make sure it really got in there. The righteousness of Christ and the Holy Spirit are not received by works of the law, but by faith alone. God opens the ears. God gives faith. God gives the Spirit. To God be the glory. Now, why does Scripture call the Holy Spirit a gift? Why does it use that language? Because he's given and he's received by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Consider Acts 10, verse 45. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. You know, how did that hit the Jews? What's up with that? Those people who don't have the law and who reject the law, they're getting the Holy Spirit? What's going on here? And there it is. The Gentiles didn't have, nor did they follow the Mosaic law, and the Spirit was poured out on them. Now, how? How was the Spirit poured out on them? They simply believed in Christ. It wasn't about the law. And consider that phrase, the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out. So kids, if I can have your attention here, let's pretend it's really hot outside. And uh, let's say on a hot day, your friend douses you with cold water. I mean, a bucket of cold water all over you, douse you. That's refreshing. That's fun. You, you might be like, do it again. All right, this is starting. Game on. You've just started something here. Now, you got wet and were refreshed because your friend doused you with water. It would be odd for you to say, no, it was me. I did it. I sat there and received the water. I wouldn't have gotten wet unless I received the water. That would be weird. The kids would not talk that way. You didn't even know the water was coming. It just up and gushed, and now you're wet. You just got drenched by your friend. Faith is similar to that. Faith is receiving the Spirit as God drenches you with His grace. Dr. Riken put it simply. He said this, The Spirit's work is not a reward based on a person's own spiritual achievement. It is a gift granted to those who believe in Christ's achievement. End of quote. So here's the first point again, saints. We received the Spirit from God by hearing the gospel with faith at conversion. Isn't that amazing? Jesus makes the deaf hear. We believers have the Holy Spirit in us because God simply gave us the gift. He gave the Spirit to us. Be thankful, believers, that God has opened your heart to hear the gospel and see Jesus and follow him. Apart from the Spirit's work, you don't respond that way. You don't give a rip about Christ until the Spirit comes to you and changes you. Be thankful that the Spirit is alive. Be thankful that the Spirit is working in you, dear saints. 
Be hopeful that the Spirit will remain in you because God wants you to have the Spirit and that He's going to help you and strengthen you to live to God. That's hopeful. So, okay, brothers and sisters, we know that we're justified and receive the Spirit by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, but what about everyday life? We gotta live, right? We're saved, we're justified, okay, we got it, but how do we live the Christian life? How do we please God? Well, it's easy for us to overlook the role of the Holy Spirit in our everyday Christian life. We cannot afford, dear Christians, to overlook the power and the role of the Holy Spirit. Saints, the gospel is not just a kid's Sunday school doctrine that gets you saved. It's our lifeblood. The gospel is power that continues to save you, continues to grow you, continues to compel you to live to God. Saints, we need the gospel of Jesus Christ every single moment of every day or we will not make it. We need the gospel, and this brings us to number two. This is so good. God continues to supply us the Spirit for everyday life as we hear the gospel with faith. I think many professing Christians look back to the date that they said a prayer or invited Jesus into their heart. They look at an event in the past, and they foolishly put their confidence in that date or prayer, or event, instead of putting their confidence in Christ alone and the ongoing sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in their life. They're like, well, you know, back in 1965, hallelujah, praise God, I got saved, I marked the date in my Bible, I put it down so I can reference it every year to encourage me that I am indeed saved. And then they close their Bible and they live however they want, as if the gospel had no ongoing relevance and power in their life. Then when they have doubts, then when they have troubles, what do they do? They look back to that date or that prayer or that event as if it can assure them of salvation. And I'm here to say it can't. It can't because Christ is our assurance. We must look to Christ alone. Please understand what I'm saying here. Don't misunderstand. Christ and the ongoing sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our life is our comfort and assurance. The Heidelberg nails it. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. The Holy Spirit is our comfort and assurance when we doubt and when we are troubled. The Holy Spirit making us heartily willing and ready from now on to live to God is our assurance and comfort. Our ongoing spiritual growth and strength that the Spirit so graciously applies and provides for us is our assurance and comfort, not some date inscribed in a Bible years ago. What is the Spirit of God doing in you now? Now. Be assured by that. Be comforted by that. Be thankful because of that work. Listen again to verses 3 through 5. Are you so foolish? Have you begun by the Spirit? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? 
Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Faith is the answer. Faith. We, we don't just hear with faith to get saved. We hear with faith to live to God every single day. Because through hearing with faith, God supplies us the Spirit who works supernatural things in our lives. Paul was upset. Are you so foolish? It's the second time he said that. Same word in verse 1. See, the Galatians, they began with the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit was the beginning of their salvation, but then they turned. They were turning from Christ, uh, from, the, from the Spirit and the work of the Spirit, and they were turning back to the law again as the means by which God would continue to accept them and love them. Now, it's easy for Christians to think, yes, 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 I'm saved by God's grace through faith. But now that I've been saved, I have to obey the law on my own in order for God to continue to accept and love me. I must do it on my own if God is going to continue to stay with me. And, and love me and accept me. We can sometimes think and feel that way. I have to just do this. It's up to me. And that's a huge burden to carry. That, that is not healthy biblical thinking. We receive the righteousness of Christ by faith and we are accepted and loved by God and, this is wonderful, God continues to supply us with his spirit so that through hearing with faith, we make progress in the Christian life, which comforts and assure us, assures us as we make that progress. Paul asked them, are you now being perfected by the flesh? As if to say, you're not being perfected by the flesh. Paul was exposing their foolishness. Of, of course, Christ began their salvation, but he was also the continuation of their salvation. And future salvation, Christian growth and maturity comes by Christ's ongoing work in us through faith, through our union with him, and he helps us work. Flesh, in verse 3, it refers to working it out on our own. Uh, in fact, there seems to be a, a pretty clear connection here in verse 3 to circumcision, flesh, and the Mosaic law. So let me ask, can the law complete in you and me what Christ began in you and me? Can the law do that? Do we make Christian progress by our law keeping or by the Spirit working through faith to produce fruit in us? There's a big difference there. Either we're the cause of our growth, try harder, people, or the Holy Spirit is. He'll work in you and motivate you to these glorious things. Circumcision can't finish what Christ started. Dietary laws can't finish what Christ started. Wearing a shirt of only one fabric can't finish what Christ has started. What completes God's work in you is the Spirit working through the gospel, which you continue to receive with faith. With faith. Faith alone is the ongoing instrument through which God supplies you the Spirit, and the Spirit supplies you the power to grow spiritually as you work out your salvation. The law cannot mature you. Only Christ can by His Spirit as you hear with faith. What did, what did Paul say in Philippians 1.6? It's a popular verse. And I am sure of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God began the work inside of you, dear saints, and God will complete his work in you, dear saints, by supplying you with his spirit through faith. Your hope, when you think about it, how am I going to make it? How am I going to reach that? How am I going to continue? Is, is the spirit. That's your confidence. Your hope that you will make it, that you won't fall away, that God will keep you is the Holy Spirit working in you as you make progress in the Christian life. I think we need to hear it again. Your hope that you will make it, that you won't fall away, that God will keep you is the Holy Spirit working in you as you make progress in the Christian life. Dr. Riken said the way into the Christian life is also the way on in the Christian life. Christians believe that what got them saved will keep them saved and will motivate them to live for the God that they love. How gracious our God is. We don't add anything to Christ's work. We only receive the benefits of Christ's work through faith, which includes the Spirit helping us live to God for His glory. Praise God, right? Isn't that the, the conclusion here? Praise God. We're so thankful for Jesus and what He did. Sending the Spirit, amazing gift. Christ is your hope to make progress. Look to Christ. In verse 4, Paul said, Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? That they likely suffered persecution for their faith in Christ. Why? Why suffer for Christ if you're just going to turn from Christ back to the law to expect the law to do something? Don't suffer for Christ then. If the Galatians trusted in the law for justification and sanctification, then the pain that they suffered for Christ, for the gospel, was in vain. Useless. Why suffer that way? But Paul's words were also hopeful. He said, if indeed it was in vain. In other words, it doesn't have to be in vain, Galatians. It's not an empty struggle. Their suffering for Christ would not be in vain if they repented and turned back to the one true gospel of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Paul mentioned God working miracles in Galatia. The apostles showed up. They preached the gospel. And then they did these incredible supernatural acts by the work of God only to confirm the gospel, to say this is the real deal. And maybe those miracles uh, continued for a time in the church. Miracles were, conform, were performed not by works of the law. They were performed by hearing with faith. Does God provide his people with the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit because they work for it or because they ask for it with faith? Which is it? It's faith. They ask. God supplies the Spirit to us by hearing with faith. The Heidelberg asks, why is prayer necessary for Christians? Great question. Prayer can be painful sometimes. Amen? It's like, I don't even want to do this. Right? That's where we live. Well, why? Why do it? Here's what it says, because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. So thankfulness, but then it adds this, and listen very carefully, this is very important. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. Now, you need to think about this now. 
Don't rush past this. If you are going to constantly ask God for the Spirit because you actually want the Spirit and you're then going to thank God for giving you the Spirit, there is an assumption in all of that that you actually believe that God will give you and supply you the Spirit. Faith is the assumption. None of this works without faith. That's faith. You, you, you want the Spirit, you ask for the Spirit, and you trust God to give you the Spirit, and then you thank God for giving you the Spirit. That's an everyday journey of faith. That's the Christian life. So here's the point that I'm trying to make in this sermon, saints. We received the Spirit from God by hearing the gospel with faith at conversion. And God continues to supply us the Spirit for everyday life as we hear the gospel with faith. So now let me ask some practical things here. How important then is it for us to continue to hear with faith? How important is that? Ongoing hearing with faith. Well, folks, it's vital if you're ever going to live to God. Vital. Indispensable. Essential. Where do we hear the gospel? Preaching. Preaching. Corporate worship. You, you were saved by hearing the gospel with faith, and you will grow as a Christian by hearing the gospel with faith. You need to keep hearing the gospel and believing the gospel because by hearing with faith, God supplies you with his spirit. Do you realize what's happening, saints, right now in this dynamic? It has nothing to do with Jonathan. The spirit is at work supplying you the spirit through the proclaimed word. Are you blessed by that today? Unbelievers, they don't understand this. They just don't get it. That grieves us. We want them to know the power of the Spirit. But see, believers, we, we know the power of the Spirit. And we know what He's able to do in our lives. The gospel preached on the Lord's day is a precious gift to you because through it, as you receive it with faith and thankfulness, you've got to receive it with faith and thankfulness, God supplies you His Spirit. Me, if I go down later today, get another man who does it. So that the word goes forth and the spirit works. It is the spirit that grows you, saints. It is the spirit that strengthens you. It is the spirit that matures you. Praise God for the spirit. Christians who delight in corporate worship, delight in what we're doing here now, receive incredible blessings from God through hearing with faith. Blessings that you cannot get until you believe with faith. Faith, until you hear with faith. The other day I was, I was talking to someone who told me about a wonderful woman of God that he knew. He spoke very highly of her relationship with God and, and he also mentioned with a certain like concern, kind of a hesitation that she didn't really go to church. I just throw red flags up at that and he was hopeful that, that she would begin going to church again. But he spoke as if she had this deep intimacy with God and uh, now, you got to hear me say, I don't know this woman. How could I say? I don't know her. Uh, but here's what I do know, that she and many professing Christians just like her do not understand what God does in and through the local church, particularly corporate worship and the preaching and reading of God's word. They just don't know. They don't realize that their distance from the local church and corporate worship does two ginormous things. Number one, it belittles Christ and the commandments of God that they say they love. 
And number two, best case, it weakens their faith considerably, or worst case, it confirms that they don't know or love God at all. If someone is truly hungry, I mean hungry for God, hungry for his word, they just have a heart, just let me know God they won't turn away from the buffet that their father lays out for them in gospel preaching in the local church. They won't do it. They won't because they love him too much. Paul clearly meant, I just don't know how to spin this, that God supplies the spirit to his people by hearing with faith. How else do, what, what else do we make sense of this? Are you hearing with faith or friends? Are you just hearing? You've got to hear with faith. Some professing Christians, they aren't even really hearing with their ears, or they are hearing with their ears. Maybe some aren't even hearing with their ears, let alone their hearts. So, is your life suggesting that Christ started the work and then somehow now you're trusting on yourself to to finish the work? That's exhausting. Brothers and sisters, our Father has promised that He will complete the work, and He will. So, Receive your Father's ongoing supply of the Spirit by hearing with faith and then live to God. It's it's wonderful. The Heidelberg says that faith comes from the Holy Spirit who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments, what we saw here today. Saints, you and I need to hear the gospel over and over and over and over and over and over again. We need this gospel In fact, we need this gospel more than we need our next breath. We need the gospel more than we need to breathe, more than we need to eat, more than we need to live on this earth. We need Christ. We need the gospel. In in verse 6, Paul went to Abraham. Why did he go to Abraham? Because Abraham is an illustration of God's supernatural grace. The Spirit worked in Abraham, not because Abraham did the law somehow, but because Abraham believed, and his faith then led him in obedience. You have to know the story of Abraham for this reference to make sense. Abraham is an illustration of justification by faith alone and good works, which inevitably follow out of justification by faith alone. He heard the promises of God, and he believed God and did what God commanded. As Abraham trusted God, God imputed to him the perfect righteousness of Christ, and Abraham was counted righteous and then lived to God. Abraham was accepted and loved and led by God, not because Abraham was a great guy. He wasn't a great guy. Look what he did to his wife. Horrible. But because God was gracious to him, and he trusted God. So let me end with this. What are you struggling with? What are you struggling with? Lust, anger, uh, fear, food, holidays, man, anxiety, jealousy, bitterness, greed, depression. The list could go on and on. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, dear one, how are you going to make progress? How are you going to grow and mature through what seems to grip you so strongly? How, how, how? And I think sometimes we feel like it's up to us. You know, I just got to do this. What's wrong with me? Why can't I get beyond this? Why, why, what, God, come on. And we we know that we were saved by Christ, but then we somehow slip into this thinking that it's going to be us and our power that's going to get us through to the end. But Christ is more for us 
dear saints. Saints, we will make progress in the Christian life when we behold the glorious Christ and receive God's unceasing supply of the Spirit by hearing the gospel with faith. Long for the Spirit's help. Ask God for the Spirit's help and thank God for the Spirit's help. Watch what God does in your life when you just simply trust Him. You trust Him to show up and to help you do what you know you need to do. Aren't you and I weak, but He is strong? Isn't that how it is? So tap into His strength by hearing with faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You for being so clear in your gospel. We have a lot of people here today, and I know some of them delight in you so deeply, so would you comfort and assure them by the Spirit's work in, your, in their lives? God, you have been so good to your people here at Jerusalem Church that people hear what, what I'm saying here, what Paul was saying, and they, they rejoice in it because it is so good and challenging for them to hear that you supply us the Spirit as we hear with faith, and even now your people are being built up and been, they've been given in this time together greater assurance and comfort that your spirit is at work in them and that they are not what they used to be, that it is only by your grace that you have brought them through and counted them righteous and that only by your grace is the Holy Spirit working in them. But God, there are others here today that don't know you. They're frustrated with this message. They're, they're antsy. They want to get out of here maybe. Because the gospel can be very uncomfortable because the law exposes our sin and the gospel takes us to the feet of Jesus. Uh, we need Jesus. And there are people here who don't know him. God, would you, by your spirit, apply the gospel to them? Help them to see that they are miserable and guilty under the law, but that Jesus Christ can rescue them. All they need to do is bow before the king and trust him, plead for his mercy, trust that they receive the forgiveness only by his perfect life, death, resurrection, and eternal lordship over their lives. May that be the compelling message they hear as they go. May that be what this Christmas is all about, them hearing the gospel. So God, may your spirit help them hear, truly hear the gospel. Transform souls. God, transform us. Jerusalem Church loves you, and I pray that your gospel would Continue to go forth every Sunday from this pulpit. Whether me or someone else, God, may we delight in the message that you have for us and may it strengthen us and may you supply the spirit to your people who need him desperately. In Jesus' name, amen.